Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tech Educator Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Jeff Bradbury, and you are listening to the podcast that helps you learn about and use the latest in educational technology in your classroom. With me today, we have Jeff Herb from Instructional Tech Talk. We have John Samuelson from Techlandia, and we also have Sam Patterson from the Patui Network as my co-hosts. You are listening, if you're listening to us for the first time, we welcome you each and every week at Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you can't catch us live on Sundays, there are several ways that you can contact and participate in this show. You can certainly leave a voicemail by at techeducatorpodcast forward slash voicemail. You can email us at feedback at techeducatorpodcast.com. And you can certainly follow us on Twitter at techedshow. And all, all of our live broadcasts are going to be found at teachercast.tv, where we are streaming live shows at least three or four nights a week at this time. We're having a great time over there. Um, wow. Let's bring in our co-host today. Jeff, how are you doing? And uh, what's new in the world of Instructional Tech Talk? Well, hello, everyone. Uh, doing well, thanks. Hope everyone out there is doing well as well. Uh, new at Instructional Tech Talk this week. Uh, this week's podcast actually features a ton of great information from the ICE conference. The ICE conference is the Illinois Computing Educators Conference. We talked briefly about um, things stemming from that conference last week, but um, the podcast released all the great information that John and I both saw. He was actually featured on the show as well. Um, <clears throat> we did some live recording on location, and that segment is included in the podcast. Uh, Jeff Bradbury, you are also featured on this week's episode talking about the broadcasting setup that you are doing and some of the events that you've been streaming live on TeacherCast.tv. So a lot of great stuff on the podcast and, you know, some more great tech tools have been released and articles on the website at InstructionalTechTalk.com. So lots of good stuff, more stuff to come. Uh, we're doing a conversation with Skype and that will probably be on this next episode. So should be uh, a good listen. And John, you were absent last week from this show. Talk to us a little bit about the things going on in Techlandia world. Okay, well, on Techlandia, um, we were ta um, on the topic for next week will be that um, I'm only seven Starbucks gold stars away from keeping my gold card this year. So that's a big topic to discuss. But on the serious side, we talked about um, the Google Field Trip app, which just came out. of three apps, three Twitter people to follow, and three awesome things to go ahead. And Kurt adds a little bit of a spice because he likes music. So then we talk about music a little bit at the end. And uh, I've been singing for the last two episodes. So you have that to not look forward to. Nice. Well, welcome back. We certainly uh, look forward to hearing all about the ICE conference. And uh, is that an ICE latte? What, what are you drinking there? I am drinking a chai latte and Sam... Um, Sam also was featured actually on our podcast because he took he took a rogue podcast and at the conference and he can tell you a little bit more about it. But I was a nice guy and put it up even though I wasn't on the podcast. I was very upset by that. So, oh, but, but Sam was over there on there. So Sam's hosting an episode of Techlandia as well. But did nice. you end up being on the podcast, John? Yes, at the end, we'll see. That's the good thing about being in control of your podcast because then I could add my little aside notes there. I kind of did it Tony Reale style, like around the horn. Kind of like I feel like we are right now, actually. Yeah, there you go. 
Nice. And, uh, and, and as a rebuttal for that, and also to update us on the Petui Network, we have Mr. Sam Patterson. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? Good. So this week in Petui, we're going to be talking about flipped instruction using a live scribe pen. Uh, Pedagogy and Technology Tuesdays also honored to have Mr. Macnology as a Ooh. guest co-moderator for our Beyond Digital Citizenship chat. There we go. There it is. Sorry, I was late with it. <laughs> you had latte in your hands. It's understandable. I know. Got latte. Right, right. But yeah, we had a great time at NCCE and we're able to crash Techlandia, which was a lot of fun because we just uh, hosted it from the NCCE uh, tweet up and grabbed the people that were available and ended up with some really interesting conversation. I can't wait to hear the augmented reality version. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about the ICE convention that was last week. John, um, what did you see there? What did you like? And talk to us a little bit about some of the sessions that you visited. Um, well, you know what? Actually, the, the funny thing was that um, Jeff and I, Jeff came and saved me and picked me up from the train station or else I think I would have been stuck there for a long time. But after uh, – so then – it basically gave Jeff and I a chance to go ahead and hang out for the almost the entire conference, really. Mm -hmm. And we started a Google Doc, um, and we tried to tweet it out so that people would um, – we could cover more ground. And so that there were so many good sessions that you could – I mean, if you went to one, you were missing out on another one. But some of our highlights were um, – well, we saw Meg Wilson the, la the Friday. We were there, and we saw three sessions by Meg Wilson, which were good. And one of them, we actually got to sit right next to Wes Fryer and you get to see how Wes works and how he takes notes and he can just crank out a blog post right as he's sitting there watching, um, watching her talk. It's amazing to just watch his mind work and uh, try and keep up with him. But uh, we also saw, I saw Josh Stumpenhorst, the Illinois teacher of the year. He did a session where he was just giving out um, items and th that was the one where Jeff <laughs> that's the one where Jeff and I were, were split up for a second but then Jeff came in and we hung out for the rest of the time basically <laughs> so uh, but it was fun right and it was nice to sit there and and talk with uh, Jeff the whole time and um, I think that uh, Jenny Majera was also a highlight for me uh, Jenny Majera Josh Stumpenhorst and Meg Wilson were the three presenters and those are three really good presenters so the ice conference to me was well worth the travel Jeff, anything to add on that? No, he hit it pretty well on the head. We talked about a lot of the great stuff last week, too, uh, some of the stuff that interested me. Um, when John wasn't here, he was traveling back to Austin. But, um, you know, a lot of great content. And, you know, part of it says that, you know, the collaboration and the networking that goes along with the conference is almost just as good as the sessions that you sit through. So, yeah, it was great to hang out with John and Sue Gorman, uh, Jenny McGarra, Meg Wilson, then we got to meet and talk with Wes. I found my old eighth grade student teacher. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, it was really crazy, but um, a lot of great, a lot of great stuff. Learned a ton, and I have posts backlogged for weeks now to be able to put out based on stuff I learned. So you know that's a sign of a good conference when you're able to come back and have a ton of great things to share out with people. And what are some of the great topics that you're going to be pumping out at uh, instructionaltechtalk.com? Uh, what am I? favorite things that I'm figuring out how to explain the best way is Doctopus. Um, I was really impressed by how that worked, and I am really excited to put together a comprehensive post explaining how it works and ways that you can implement it in your classroom. Um, I want to take my time with this one. I don't want it just to be like, here, this is a thing called Doctopus, and figure it out. 
I really want to do it. Maybe I'll do it as a challenge. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, start to finish, how you get started with it, what you can do with it, maybe a screencast explaining how to get it set up. Um, but that's something that really impressed me, and I'm looking forward to sharing that out. So Doctopus definitely stole the show for me at uh, the conference. Nice. So here we are. We're on our sixth episode here of the Tech Educator Podcast. And of course, you can certainly follow us on Twitter at Tech Ed Show. And we have a hashtag that we've established, Tech Educator. And uh, Sam, I wanted to talk to you about a few things. You recently had some run-ins with Twitter, didn't you? You actually were, uh, well, why don't you <laughs> mention it, my friend? Well, you know, it's, it's an awkward time when a man finds himself in Twitter jail. Um, actually, it was a great time. The, uh, the chat this past week was at, on Patui was really heated because we co did, did a great strategy. If you want to build your social network and your PLN and you run a chat, find a hot discussion that's going on and co-opt it and say, hey, you guys are having this amazing discussion that, I mean, Alice Keeler, uh, Rick Romelli, Darren Jolly, a bunch of other people that were all talking about standard-based grading from last Thursday night through last Sunday morning, but they weren't really on a specific hashtag, and there wasn't really any way to curate the conversation. You could, I follow enough of them that I could see it all, um, but I kept missing small pieces of it and dropping in and dropping out. So I invited them to you know, essentially reenact parts of this as a uh, Twitter chat, and we had... Uh, at least 112 different people actively participating in the discussion. And it was the first time in running these chats, and I think this is the 13th or 14th of them, that um, I've been locked up in Twitter jail for over-tweeting, which apparently if you exceed 100 tweets in an hour is what I've been heard, uh, you uh, get locked up temporarily for over-tweeting. And I guess if you do it more often, you get locked up for longer periods of time. They told me I was going to be incarcerated for a couple of hours, but, you know, they had me all squeaky clean and polished and out the door by, you know, like 40 minutes. <laughs> and who was actually doing the, the tweeting? Was it you or was it one of the puppets? Oh, no, it, it was me. <laughs> the puppets really don't have functional hands. <laughs> understand. Understand. Yeah, it, it's a sore point. I talk more, but they get upset. <laughs> so how do you know that you're in Twitter jail, or how do you know that you're out of Twitter jail? Um, first, you, you think that something's wrong with your internet connection because you can't tweet, and they don't seem to be working. And I was working within tweet chat, so it doesn't give you the error message. It just cuts you off and, you know, gives you weird messages like refresh this page. So I went back to the actual web-based interface, and this little black box pops up that says, you know, you, what did it say? You have exceeded your tweet allowance for the day. Um, check back in a few hours. Wow. Does I didn't know that was possible. That goes along with that? Say again? Does it have theme music when it happens? Like, dun, dun, dun. I, I wish. The whole thing was, was kind of, that, that should be the Twitter jail music or, you know. And Mr. Something. Mcnology. And Mr. Mcnology. I did not know that that was possible to get put in Twitter jail like that. The first time I saw it was uh, Jack, one of the great guys from Team Clayco, uh, got locked up in one of the first Batui chats. He was chatting with us live in the room, and he was being great about just acknowledging everybody in the chat. And you do enough of that, and you can right over the edge. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. 
I'm surprised be... I haven't done that. I'm, I'm kind of a rebel like that. I could see myself being put in Twitter jail and on Twitter probation. I don't know. I might. I'm, that might be a goal of mine now to be put in Twitter jail. Maybe I want to. I kind of want to be an outlaw. I think well, we I... should all work on that. Between the hour of 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. on Sundays, I think we should all work on having hashtag jail from everybody. So if you're <laughs> out there on Sundays at 7 o'clock p.m., please use the hashtag tech educator. And uh, I think we'll certainly have a good time with all of this. Sam, how many tweets did you send out in an hour? I'm not exactly sure. I forgot to take a note at the beginning and didn't do, but it was it was over a hundred. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, I was looking the other day at uh, my Gmail account, which seems to have a total of about thirteen thousand messages in it, and has existed since I can remember having an internet. <laughs> and I was looking at my Twitter account, and it has like ten thousand six hundred tweets in it. And that's only like really actively maybe two years old tops, but really only one year worth of serious use. So, you know, there, there's some serious volume that goes on there. Which is good. It means good, good things are happening, right? I, I tweet very few pictures of food, so I hope it's good, yeah. <laughs> well, it depends on who your audience is. <laughs> right, right. My, my audience is hungry for knowledge and funny math jokes. <laughs> Do you have any funny math jokes? Yes, the, uh, oh, what was it? It was a really good cartoon. It was all over Facebook. This, uh, it was the wife of Pi. Did you see that? Where you've got, you know, Pi and um, uh, what was the other number? The other number was just like <laughs> X or something like that. And she was like, he's irrational. He just goes on and on and on. They're at the marriage counselor. It's a really good <laughs> visual graphic. That's pretty funny. Nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Now, Jeff, before the show, you were talking about something that's going on here in the world of ed tech where President Clinton is actually asking or answering questions of people. Yeah, I'm very intrigued by this. I want to know more about it because there was this thing on, uh, I think it was Edudemic. Let me look and see what it said in the show notes. Yeah, Edudemic had it up. Um, and basically it says, got a question about how the future of education technology will progress. Wonder what the U.S. government's role will be over time. Wish you could ask President Bill Clinton your questions. This is all verbatim from the website. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, they're saying that Clinton will be available for uh, a barrage of educational technology questions on March 15th, uh, starting at 1845 Gulf Standard Time. And despite my best efforts, I could not figure out how to convert Gulf Standard Time into a usable time by anyone in America. I think you have to carry a two in there somewhere. <laughs> I <think> so too. <laughs> uh, but if you're really that intrigued, then more power to you. Just figure out how you can swap over the time. But I just, I'm curious because I know that he's a very knowledgeable individual. And I'm sure that he has a army of people behind him helping reference some of these questions that he'll be asked. Um, but I just have to wonder what kind of responses he'll be able to give related to ed tech that will be usable for someone in the classroom. I think it's important to note, Jeff, that uh, President Clinton was one of the first guys to really publicly ride one of those bicycle seats with the split butt pads. And that was a really important technological advance. I don't know if you've spent much time on a bicycle, but, I mean, he was right out there on the cutting edge for that. So I'm thinking flip classroom, he's got that too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
I'm just curious. I would be very interested to follow the Ask Clinton hashtag and just see what kind of responses come out. Um, I don't know. It, it just intrigued me, and I was kind of taken back by uh, – it's a very specific topic, I think, and something that you need to have a lot of background on. I'm not sure I could, you know, even being so versed in ed tech, take a barrage of questions from a, bet a lot of people that will be very – I don't know. I mean, I guess I could, but at the same time, it's – I compare it to what's going on with a former president who's probably not been in the classroom that much. I'm sure he's read books in the classroom, probably right side up. But, uh, you know, it's just a interesting thought I had when I was reading through the news. Did, um, did you see the one? I saw that one come across my Twitter feed, too. Did you see the one where um, George Bush is going to be fielding questions on how to paint animals? That's that's an also that's also a new topic for him. So I mean, and I think he's really qualified for that one, judging from his body of work. So yeah. um, that should well, be good. I'm not going to mention who voted and what state had him as governor. <laughs> but right, but I do know. No, no, no I know. I, I didn't live here then. They say they're oh, all okay, <laughs> Texas is all better now. You know, um, what I saw that was kind of funny too is that that uh, on you know on Techlandia, Arnie Duncan, Secretary of Education, always. Uh, my personal punching bag because he doesn't really do anything except play basketball. But I did think it was funny. He was interviewed on NPR and he did a 10 minute interview. It was the uh, show like, wait, wait, don't tell me. And there's, you're there's calling those... that interviewed. Well, right. So anyway, so it was, it was kind of a semi interview, but in the 10 minutes they asked him one educational question or just mentioned that. And then the whole other time, all they talked about was basketball. Oops. It's all they talked about. How did, you know, if, if you foul Obama hard, does he call the Secret Service? I know, and they make fun of him and stuff. But the whole, all the questions, all the comments were about basketball. And I thought, that's about right for Arnie. That's about right. That, <laughs> give him to him in his wheelhouse. Don't ask him an educational question. Because <laughs> we know he's not qualified to answer any questions on EdTech. I'd rather have Bill Clinton than Arnie Duncan. That's for sure. Nice. Even if Bill Clinton's been far removed. That's a fair point. Well, moving to the topic of technology, I don't know if you guys saw this one out here, but there was a article today that says Apple releases low-cost iMac for the educational market here. And it says Apple has quietly released a less expensive low-end iMac for educators, and apparently it's a dual-core i3 processor, 4 gigs of RAM, 500-gig hard drive, and 21.5-inch Mac that they're calling $1,100. And so I took this information and I went into the Apple store and said, so can you show me some of these great new educational things? And their response was, well, did you hear this at the Apple store or did you hear it from Apple.com? And I said, no. Well, well, then it must not be true. Oh, kind of odd news coming out. I've actually seen this article on several places. This one here that I'm reading is uh, TUAW.com, but I have seen it at other uh, locations here. Um, what do you think? Apple coming out with, if it is true, 500 gig hard drive, 4 gigs of RAM. That could still do some pretty heavy damage in a classroom. I mean, that's more than iMovie compatible. I'm kind of surprised it only has an i3 processor in it, though. I mean, well, it's $200 less than the normal iMac, is what, basically what they're trying to tout it as here. Right. But, I mean, I think the i3 is a little slow. But didn't you say it was like a 17-inch? Uh, no, it's the normal 21 and a half inch. 21 and a half inch, okay. 
Okay, that's better. I mean, this. But is... it says that, you know their, their their normal 21 inch is i5 with eight gigs of RAM and a one terabyte. So basically, they've just cut everything in half. Right. And for 200 they bucks, dropped the less. price 200 bucks. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, that's, um, that's I, I don't what know I'm... about that. Right. That's what I'm saying. I'm actually on. I got um, the computer I'm on right now is my iMac, and I've got the one that you just described, the lowest end model. And I was looking at that, and I thought for 200 dollars. That seems like they sure cut a lot of stuff out. of I mean, it's it's half as, I, I don't know. I, I just thought I was like, you could do better than that. I think. Well, I always th- that's what I always think. Apple could do better for education. That's what I always think, though. And if I'm someone that's in charge of purchasing, and I look at these specs, I'm going to say, well, it's two hundred dollars to get twice as good of a computer. That's a great deal. <laughs> so, I would probably end up still getting the low end consumer model. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Because two hundred dollars not is I mean in the grand scheme of things is not that big of a price point to say you have a much better computer that can run your Photoshop your Adobe products well. Not that you know it, it wouldn't run okay on an i three with four gigs, but it's certainly going to run better on an i five with eight. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just kind of surprised. And it, it, this is totally reminiscent of what they used to do. Apple always had a computer that was uh, geared towards education, if you remember the eMac, which was a wonderfully large piece of equipment. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I think they're kind of getting back to that. The eMac was always a stripped-down version of the iMac, and uh, now they just are still calling it the iMac, but took out all of its stuff. So, I don't know. I think it's not enough of a price cut to make it something that people would jump on. Fair enough. Fair enough. Would we all agree on that? I totally agree. Yeah. Another article that I saw coming out had to do with Skype video calling being now set up even better, I think, for educators. Apparently, if you log into education.skype.com, you'll find a message at the top of the page asking if you want to try group video calling. And as long as you put in a school email address and verify it, um, you will get a code or you'll get an email that uh, enables you to have free group video calling um, for educators. Clearly, this is Microsoft's way of trying to battle Google and Google Hangouts. Um, Where does that leave us, though? Um, Skype, Google, Skype for Education, Google Hangouts, does it matter? Um, John, what do you think? You know, I... I really, um, I know that we're on Google Hangout now, but um, and I, I'm a big fan of the Google Hangout, but I also think that Skype has its place for sure. I like, um, I have a great teacher at my school, fourth grade teacher, Ashley Schumann, and she's done a couple mystery Skypes with other classes, and um, she really likes it. And I think anything, and I really like the, the Skype for Educators website. I mean, it's got a lot of things that you can really um, go on and connect with other educators and so I think definitely, I mean, a combination of both, but I like Skype for classroom use sometimes. I like, I like Google Hangouts more for, for us if we're talking as educators, but for the classroom, I kind of tend to go towards Skype a little bit more, to tell you the truth. And that, that could change if Google makes some improvements, but I think any, any way that Skype can, can get in there, I think that that's, that's probably a good thing. Well, I certainly think that Skype is easier to get into and manipulate. I mean, even today we had an issue trying to get the show set up where I think somebody here tried to log into our Hangout and it said, well, one of the members here wasn't in their circle. Do you really want to do this? And for Skype, it's so much easier. You put in an email address or a username and you just connect to each other. And I'm a member of a educational Skype group that has 
well over 130 names inside of this Skype group. And it, it basically it's turned into one big, huge social network, which is awesome because um, I've been able to meet people from all over the country and over the world through this, this little Skype group. And it takes out all the junk that Facebook and Google has as far as, you know, back channeling and video. It's, it's really, really neat. Jeff, where are you on this Skype versus Google? Uh, I believe John said it the way that I think. Um, I've started doing a lot of my podcast recording and interviews and stuff through Google Hangouts just because uh, lately the audio quality has gotten a lot better, I think. I feel like it's not bad on Skype, but at the same time, every once in a while I recognize that there's a little bit of distortion through Skype, and I have yet to notice that on Google Hangouts yet. But I totally agree with you, Jeff, that in the classroom, Skype is great, and I think there's a lot more uh, backing behind Skype in the educational world. There's a lot more groups out there ready to Skype in authors and all these other in interesting people into the classroom. There's a platform almost built around Skype to be used in the classroom. So we don't really have that yet for Google Hangouts, but you know, professionally, I think it's Google Hangouts. In the classroom, I think it's Skype. So it's a mix between both of what you guys said. Now, Sam, you've gone through some rapid transformations here in the last couple of minutes. Can you talk to us a little bit about why Google is working for you out there in California? Um, I think Google, in a lot of ways, works because there's a lot more options available to it. It's, uh, you know, they've got overlay. I don't know if Skype has, you know, lower thirds and that kind of thing available. But, you know, it's, it's easier to be cool on Google Hangouts, you know? How so? Well, I mean... It's just an issue of really being able to connect with the youth of today and coming in on kind of their ironic, trendy hipster. We just lost three hipster. people watching the video stream. Oh, well, we better stop then, huh? <laughs> for, for those watching, listening to the podcast, Sam was playing with the mustache feature on Google Hangouts. <laughs> So I, I guess I certainly am in agreement here at the same time. As you're going through, you do have to weigh what you're doing. Um, is it nice to be able to work nine to ten classrooms at a time on a Google Hangout? Sure. Is it going to be fun that you can sit there with birthday hats and pirate things and, and, and Fu Manchus? Absolutely. Um, but I guess everybody can here agree that Skype is just easier to figure out. Um, John, you, you want to bark in on that? Yeah, I mean, that's, I completely agree. I think I, I like Skype for educators. I think it's a good website. I think it's they I think they've done a lot for the classroom where we were just talking about Apple kind of ignoring the classroom a little bit or not doing what they could be doing. I think Skype totally tries to cater to the teachers. And that's why I like it a little bit more. But I love Google. I mean, I love Google stuff, too. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I love the I love I drink the Google Kool-Aid, too. Jeff, how yeah, many, what constitutes a group? What is group calling? How many? It doesn't actually say at this point. Um, it, it's, it's a very, very short article here. I'm looking at it. It's actually under blogs.skype.com. And, of course, everything here will be under the show notes at techeducatorpodcast.com slash 006, I think is what we're at now. And so um, I'll certainly make sure that everything here is linked onto the website. Um, you know, there's a couple comments here. What about educators who are not in schools? 
which is certainly a feature. Let's say you, you, you know, you are a teacher, but you don't have a, a school account for them to verify. How does that work? And I mean, those are questions that we have under any situation that's going on. So um, obviously we'll talk about this at more as we get some more information here, but uh, yeah, again, check out our website, techeducatorpodcast.com slash 006. And uh, we'll make sure that we have all the information on that. But uh, yeah, interesting things going on here that Microsoft is still trying to play catch up, not only just to Apple, but to Google in the realm of video calling here. I mean, um, I don't know, just interesting things here. John, what else is going on in your world? Okay, I've got an, I guess I have an interesting topic to throw out there for you because um, we just had the South by Southwest EDU conference here. And it was a conference that I actually gave up my passes for to my other teachers for the, the days. But I did watch when um, I was very excited when I heard that Bill Gates was the keynote speaker. Um, I thought there's no way you couldn't get me not to go down there. But I ended up giving my, my pass away and I was trying to be a good sport about it. Um, but Bill Gates got really um, – I, I was watching the Twitter. He got kind of scathed at South by Southwest EDU. And people that I know that I trust were just really not impressed with um, – his keynote ability. And I, I thought that that was interesting because when I saw that they announced him as keynote, I thought that was, I, I was like, that's a not miss situation. But I, I've, there's been nobody that I've talked to that was there that was not, that was overwhelmingly impressed. They thought he was kind of there like a salesperson. Um, I heard at one point that he put up um, a map behind him of the common core states. And of course, we, we know that Texas is not a common core state, so he was talking about the common core, and then there's this big white spot because Texas isn't there. And uh, people kind of laughed because I don't think he was aware that Texas, or it seemed like it just kind of dawned on him as he looked back, that Texas is not a common core state. And um, I don't know. I was just kind of curious, has anybody seen anything else from, from that at all, or was that just a Austin, Texas thing, and we were getting too antsy about it? I don't know. I, I heard a lot about that on Twitter as well, and I heard a lot from people that were at South by Southwest that it was incredibly commercial, the whole conference as a whole. And, you know, some people were like, eh, I don't know how I'm feeling about this conference. I feel like I'm getting sold something everything, every time I turn around. And, uh, you know, I just pit that against, you know, ICE that we were just at, which was entirely based on, you know, good technology, pedagogy, and doing awesome things in the classroom. I didn't feel once like I was getting sold something uh, at that conference, which was great. But the majority of the tweets I was watching through that South by Southwest hashtag, they were all coming back being like, oh, I don't know. Is this, is this a sellout conference now? Is this something that, you know, we should start avoiding? I'm not sure. So I, I definitely saw it too. It's a, it's definitely a conference where it's different than ICE because, you know, you have a lot of educators that come in, try and give you classroom ideas. I mean, I know, I know it's different. There's a lot more like big picture kind of thing. Like we're going to talk about, this is the, this is the pedagogy. We're going to talk about this. This is for inspiration, you know, and I liked the conference a lot last year. I just went there for one day and um, I don't know. It's, it's. Uh, I know that um, uh, some of my colleagues really liked that stuff, but some of the teachers that went, I don't think they were as – it might be moving away from just classroom teacher kind of conference maybe. Right, right. Well, speaking of commercialism in uh, professional development, <laughs> I think it's time for our commercial. And uh, we have our first sponsor, and it is not a company. It is not a place. It's not even an app. It is actually a part of speech. 
And uh, our first sponsor of the Tech Educator podcast is the Comma. Holy crap, they're huge. All right, we are back at the Tech Educator Podcast. My name is Jeff Bradbury from TeacherCast.net, and I wanted to take a moment as we come back to share a little bit about my weekend. I spent some time broadcasting at the NJEA Celebration of Technology and Learning. It was our big half-year technology uh, festival, I guess you would say. Um, and it was really the first time that NJEA, the New Jersey Educators Association, put on a conference like this. Um, of course, we all remember what happened last year in November. We had the devastation that was Hurricane Sandy, which really forced the state to shut down for two weeks. And because of that, um, our global conference that happens every year in Atlantic City was not, uh, did, didn't happen. And uh, to make up for that and to share some great professional development, they created the Celebration for Technology and Learning. And it happened this weekend in Somerset. And I was able to bring the TeacherCast broadcasting booth with me. And it, we had an amazing time. We talked a little bit about STEM. We had Mike Ritzius on from the EdCamp Foundation talking about EdCamp and some of the great things that's going on there, um, including two new EdCamps that are going to be popping up here in our region, EdCamp Philly and also EdCamp STEAM. And we talked a little bit about uh, EdCamp New Jersey happening on November 23rd with Bill Krakauer and Dave Zirkel, two of my EdCamp New Jersey buds. 
And it was really nice because one of the highlights of the time was my time that I spent with Barbara Kashishian, the NJEA union president. And it was really nice just to get a chance to sit down and talk to her about TeacherCast and the Tech Educator podcast and some of the things that are happening in New Jersey and also in social media. And I wanted to take a moment and say thank you to them and everything else that was going on there. I think it was an amazing event and great professional development. I was able to meet math teachers and science teachers, and it was great to put everybody in a room. We actually did a STEAM um, Olympics. It was actually neat. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to do anything like this, but they put us in a room and they gave us some spaghetti strands and marshmallows. And they had a contest to see who could create the tallest structure using only marshmallows and spaghetti strands. That was option one, or that was contest number one. And then contest number two was we had to find somebody in our group and we had to draw a picture of them as if they were a famous author, a famous scientist. And that was section two. And then three, we actually had to take a plastic spoon and a ping pong ball and knock down our marshmallow structure. And so we had a three-part steam Olympics. Now, I'll tell you, for my group, we had no problem knocking it down. It actually knocked down on its own. We had no clue what was going on. And, uh, you know, this, mu this music teacher can't draw. But we had a good time. And I think at the end of the day, the tallest tower had to be, I think it was 32 inches. But it was just a neat way of putting the professional development back in the hands of the participants rather than giving us a boring 45-minute keynote address. And it was a really neat demonstration of not only what can happen in the classroom, but what can happen when a bunch of adults get around and are bored with a bunch of marshmallows and spaghetti strands. Has anybody ever out, have any of you guys ever had a chance to participate in something like those um, STEAM Olympics or have done some kind of technology challenges? John, how about you? Okay, so I have to say, I like the, I love the spaghetti marshmallow um, thing that we did that actually, since I'm not out of the classroom now, and this is my first year out, we did, that was the first thing we did as a class in my last year of teaching. And it was actually the last thing we did. And the kids begged me to do it again one more time because we did it as kind of a getting to know you kind of thing. And then we go, we went ahead and did it at the end. And it was surprising how much better they could do, even forgetting that they had been 180 days since they had done it. Um, there's a, we went to a conference last year at Region 7 in Texas, and uh, we, I went to, a, it's one of my friends actually, Brian Doyle, who um, um, works at a KIPP Academy now, but then he was the tech director for this uh, town in Bastrop, which is a kind of a little drive from Austin, but we did the same type of thing. So I, I, we, we sat there, and in his session, we took the spaghetti and the marshmallows, and then what we did was we used uh, time-lapse uh, photography app, and then we actually went through and we time lapse photography, and uh, it was my friend Lisa Johnson and I, and it was just funny to watch the video back. I, I thought it was awesome, and it was. It, you're right. It's sometimes the 50 minute sessions. I I present the 50 minute sessions all the time. I'm I'm kind of getting bored with them to tell you the truth. I'm trying to see how I can change it up a little bit, and uh, I, I love those things. I like the steam aspect too, keeping the arts in with the STEM. I like that a lot. I think that you have to. Cool. Has anybody else ever done any creative things like that? Sam, you must have done something with uh, pasta strands and puppets. <laughs> well, you know, what, what I find is that a lot of the things we do puts kind of writing at the center of that. Um, but, you know, I think there's always 
opportunities to create activities like that. And I think that when you can get adults to be creators and actually make something, that the most important thing isn't really what they made or any of that. It's, it's the process of trying something you're not sure about with colleagues. So kind of putting them in that vulnerable learning position and allowing them to process it by kind of asking them to try out different parts of their brain. Um, when you said, you know, to draw someone as though they were a famous scientist, I, I don't even know what that means, right? Like, how do you draw someone like they were a famous scientist? Well, and, I drew a picture of one of our um, team members with a New York Mets hat and a big, huge, bushy hair, and we called him uh, Albert Einstein, the Mets fan. <laughs> nice, nice. I think that's a pretty good solution to that one. <laughs> Jeff, anything that you would recommend for as far as STEAM, or does your school get into that stuff? No, we really haven't much, and it's something that I would like to start implementing in. But, you know, I'm just going to comment off of something John said, that he's, he's right. Those 50-minute presentations are kind of getting a little stagnant. And I like the idea, I mean, in Jenny McGarrah's session using Doctopus, she at least did something a little bit different. She demonstrated the technology by using it in the actual presentation. Um, she got us to get up, move around based on the group that we were ba uh, put into by Doctopus. We went around and met the people that uh, were, we were going to be placed into a group with on the same Google Doc and kind of had a face-to-face -face recognition with the people that we'll be able to interact with on the Google Doc that she shared out with us. So it's kind of like a mix of both worlds. You have the technology training, but you also get people up moving around, making those face-to-face -face connections, and it takes kind of this, you know, some of the stagnation out of just sitting there and being a receptacle for information, you're actually making it something that is more meaningful and long lasting by kind of walking around and being able to, you know, collaborate with others too. So Sam, what's up? Well, don't you think that, you know, these conferences really have to go in that direction? Because now that, you know, we have the ability to push information out in any media we want, the idea of there being some inherent value to going to a place and hearing someone talk is gone. When it was Mark Twain, you know, doing the lecture circuit, that made a lot of sense because there was no real modern recording equipment that allowed easy access to this, right? Mm -hmm. But pretty much as soon as we move beyond the telegraph, the idea that there would be value to inherently just hearing, you know, being in the room when someone was just saying something versus just listening to it on a recording is ridiculous. So if you want schools and organizations to pony up the dollars to send people on these professional development trips, which are frankly really expensive. You know, it's a couple hundred dollars to register for the conference. It's a couple hundred dollars to stay there. It's like, I don't know, usually what, eight, $900 in beer. It's, it's ridiculously expensive. And you want people to get something for that. And that has to be something that's real, that's visceral, that's an actual human connection. So I think these kinds of, you know, marshmallow tower building challenges are actually incredibly important because they build community, just like we want to in our classroom. And when you're at a conference setting, that community can then survive and become part of your professional learning community. Yeah. And what was really cool, I mean, I'm going to take it back to the example I just gave, but you can do this kind of stuff with the people in your audience because they're prepared for it and they're able to do it. And that's something that's so cool. I mean, that's not the case several years ago. But now she had everyone go onto a Google form, fill it out using a Gmail address because that's what Doctopus has to share out with. And she probably, what, John, had 200 people in her session? 
And mm -hmm. I would easily say that 175 of them were able to respond to the Google form and be able to open it. And it's not an expectation that you have a computer with you at this conference. I mean, granted, it's the Illinois Computing Educators Conference, but people had tons of different platforms that they were working with. I mean, I'm sure a ton of them did it right on their iPhone or Android phone. And people can do this kind of stuff because they're expecting it, because that's what they're doing in their own classrooms. And so why would a presentation at a conference be any different? Um, and it's nice to know that people can, you know, rise to the occasion. If you give them a challenge to use technology during the course of your presentation, that they'll be able to follow through with it too. So it's pretty cool. And I think you're totally right, Sam. What else you got, Sam usually, Sam usually is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's time that we move forward and move on to our app segment. Uh, Jeff, you had a few apps that you wanted to talk about, uh, particularly Comic Life, which is a really neat app that's universal, isn't it? It is universal. Yeah, it's a really cool app. Um, I just was messing around with it, you know, not too long ago and figured it would be a good one to remind people about. I first got started with Comic Life when it was on the Mac and they have a fantastic actual app for the Mac platform. I'm not positive that it's on a PC as well. It, it may or may not be. Um, but I know that we had it on all of our computers when we did have a building full of Macs. And since our recent CIO decided that we were going to go uh, Windows-based, we don't have it anymore. But um, the kids love doing it. I think the teachers really found a lot of great projects to use Comic Life with. Um, and I just want to highlight it as being a great option to be able to tell stories, uh, kind of get out of that box of, you know, representing a, a kid's knowledge by just them writing it down on a piece of paper. I think there's a lot of great ways to do it uh, visually, graphically, uh, using video or whatever. But Comic Life is definitely one of those kind of like out of the box ideas to help kids represent what they've learned. Um, it's a $5 app. It's not free. Um, I was able to actually talk to some of the people from Comic Life. They're going to be on the Instructional Tech Talk podcast in the near future. Uh, and they were willing to give me a couple of redemption codes. So that's actually one of my weekly giveaways right now. You can go to instructionaltechtalk.com slash giveaways and enter to win Comic Life. So it's kind of a cool thing. I have a few licensed copies to give away. Um, and if you're interested in getting a hold of a copy, you should head on over there. And one of the best things I know about Comic Life is they're very, very educational based. Mm -hmm. And they sponsored EdCamp New Jersey, as well as other EdCamps that have reached out to them. So definitely a worthwhile app. I know I met them down at ISTE last year. And they're, like you said, great guys and certainly out there to help out the educational community. Yep, that's absolutely the feeling I got from them, too. So uh, Maybe we can do a Comic Life with puppets and we'll put that on the, on the show. Oh, there you go. There you go. Show notes. <laughs> Give something to, to, for Sam to do while he's uh, absent in a few weeks here. It would be actually kind of fun to do an unshow notes edition of the show notes. <laughs> yeah. What we said in representation by comics. <laughs> TechEducatorPodcast.com coming to you soon. Uh, certainly check us out. This show notes are TechEducatorPodcast.com slash zero zero six. Let's see. Sam, you were having some Evernote issues? You know, I am hot, cold on Evernote. I, I was actually griping about Evernote at, at the NCCE conference, and their session was crowded, so I bailed on it because I'm like, meh. And I was upset last week because I had to reauthorize my pen 
And since I had to reauthorize my LiveScribe pen, I did a full um, <clears throat> kind of revamp of what I was doing in Evernote and even went into my if this then that profile to point a bunch more stuff towards Evernote, kind of returning to the I'm going to try to fill it with stuff so that I feel that it's useful model. Um, and, and I'm hoping that works. But in the process, I also rediscovered that I can use my wired LiveScribe pen to send stuff directly to Google Drive. So I'm back to just being really obsessed with Google Drive. And there are many times where I can't figure out why Evernote is going to be better than Google Drive. But yeah, so I, I would recommend the app Evernote because it leaves you in constant confusion as to whether or not the giant resource you're building is going to be ultimately useful or if you'll just lose access to it thanks to a hacker. <laughs> thanks, John. Uh, my app, one of my apps for the week is called Writer. I don't know if you guys have seen this one or not. Usually it's a word processing app and really it's designed for those who don't like the clutter on their screen. You know, you, you turn on Microsoft Office or you turn on Pages or whatever app that you might have and there's all that clutter from your bold, your italics, to your justified, and people just want to get in there and write. Or it's a really nice app for kids that don't want to deal with the distraction of everything that's on the screen. Writer simplifies it. It basically gives you a white canvas to start typing. But whenever you decide to scroll up or down, then it automatically appears all of those menu options. And it works beautifully on a, a phone when you have a very limited screen. It works great on an iPad, but there's also a desktop version that I've been using. And it's really nice just to get that clutter away, just to get that distraction away. And uh, that is a very nice universal app. I, it's not free, but I don't remember how much it is actually at the moment. 99 but cents. it's certainly one of those, what was that? 99 cents. 99 cents, so there you go. And it's an amazing, amazing app for that. So check that out, Writer. And to go along with that, I also have another app called Auditorium. And it's an app that is good for taking notes at meetings, but it actually also has a built-in voice recorder. And the neat part about that is that the voice recorder syncs up with your writing or with the pen that you're using um, or you're typing. And it also knows what time you've done this. So let's say that you take your at your meeting, you put on the record button, it's recording everything that's happening you're taking notes. Now, when you're finished the meeting, you go back to your office and you want to complete those notes. You can actually push to where you are typing those notes and it'll automatically find in the audio stream where you were in that meeting. And then you can continue listening to it and you can continue back and taking notes on what was going on in, in said meeting. So really, really neat app, um, writer and auditorium. Sam, you also, did you have any more apps for this week? Um, I don't know, you know, I, the, uh, when you were talking about your writing program, I remembered one that I have on my iPad, which is uh, free writing. And I was, I'm looking for the link, but it, apparently this was a free app a long time ago and I don't know how popular it is now. So it's not showing up in the search, but it's just a really bare bones, stripped down blank white screen. Uh, and you get, you know, you hit up and then you get the menu. So it's very similar to the uh, interaction you're talking about, but it was free, but now I can't even find it if it exists. Are there any good poetry apps? Yes, the yes. Poetry Foundation has an amazing app um, that I think is just called Poetry. 
Um, and it has this really great three bar um, one arm bandit style function where you hit the, the selector and it comes up with like depressing family poetry that's funny and then gives you a list of you know depressing family poetry that's funny or po poems about history with birds or something like that so um, that's an amazing one that I love using just kind of from the hip in class because it almost always comes up with a choice that's interesting and appropriate. What about a chateauetry? Have you heard of that one? No. No. Okay, so chateauetry is uh, an app from William Shatner where you get the whole poems, like you get the words, you can put the words up in the poem like the little refrigerator magnet style, and then if you hit a button, you can hit the button and it gives a second and William Shatner will read the poem that you just wrote to you. Awesome. Chateauetry. Wow. That's a real app. I love that one. It, it just crashed. I was going to mention it on Techlandia last night, but it actually just started crashing since they've updated it. So I wrote to them to see if they would get going with it a little bit too. And then another app that I was going to go through. I'm sorry. I just, I wanted to go through one because I've actually had one for, uh, Sam, the whole time, is a brand new app that they just debuted at South by Southwest is called Beergram, going off of his $900 beer expense. And what Beergram lets you do, basically, and we did talk about this one on Techlandia, is you can check in at certain bars around Austin, and then let's say I drink like an oatmeal stout or something, I can go ahead and hit right there, and I can leave a drink for Sam, and if he has the app and he comes in like the next night, he can come in and show it, and he can redeem, and I can buy him a drink in his absence. It's just starting in Austin. I think it's going to go out there, but it's called Beergram, and cool. I thought that was pretty. I thought that was pretty cool. So if yeah. Sam comes down to Austin, I'll leave him a Beergram at uh, Doc's backyard, and he can go ahead and pick it up then. Nice. Sam, Excellent. what do you think? Thousand dollar plane ticket for a free drink? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That sounds like a good plan. <laughs> Well, ISTE will be coming up soon, and we will be in Texas. Yeah, really, we can try it out when we get to ISTE. Nice. There you go. I think yeah. that'll be worth it. Jeff, you had another app called Haiku. Haiku Deck? Haiku Deck. <laughs> yeah, just a little-known app. Um, <laughs> it's a small app, but they just, did their update just come through today, Jeff? I think that's right. Yeah, I think, I think it just came live today. Yeah, um, phenomenal. I mean... I, I was messing around with it the past week, and uh, I'm really excited to kind of start using that in place of, you know, my other presentation tools, because here's the thing I like the most about it. They don't really give you the, a, lot of, a lot of opportunity to put a ton of crap on all of your slides. <laughs> and that's, that's the beauty of it. It's awesome, because I think that's something that is so distracting during a presentation, um, when you have just a ton of text, and I think it's great for kids because I don't think adults are as bad at it, but um, the kids will take, you know, chunks of their paper when they go up to do a presentation and just, you know, mass throw it up onto slides. Um, and I think, you know, it's so boring. But um, with Haiku Deck, your slides can be so visually engaging because they have just millions of open source, high res images that you can use for the backdrops, uh, all built into the app. And that's really a cool part. Um, additionally, you can run the slideshow on any device that's web enabled. Uh, you can email it out to an email address, open the stack or the deck, they call it, of uh, slides and be able to play it from an iPhone, be able to play it from, you know, your 1978, 
you know, Windows Internet Explorer type uh, browser. It doesn't matter. As long as you can get on the Internet on it, you can actually run the slides. And you can, if you really want to, you can Im uh, embed the, not embed it, but import it into PowerPoint as well. If there's like graphs or something that you need to put into the slides to get it to be, you know, fit whatever it is you're trying to do. But um, Haiku Deck is awesome because you can build the full presentation right on the iPad and share it out. And I've had a lot of fun putting stuff together for it already. And did you know that the graphs is the new feature, by the way? Oh, the is graphs that what's are, on graphs there? Are actually, yeah, graphs is actually the update. They really updated it. I am, I might not be an Apple Distinguished Educator, but I am a Haiku Deck ambassador. So I'm one of their, yes, I'm one of their main people. You know who else is? Who's that? Mr. Mechnology is also. Oh yeah, we're both we're both loved by the Haiku Deck people because we've really been pushing it out there for a while. I've used it with every presentation since the app's been um, basically created, cool. and we also used it because the kids would go around, and you don't have to just use their common, you know, their their Creative Commons photos, but you could go and use your photos, take a photo of a right angle, and then you can go ahead and put right angle. We actually had the kids in fourth grade go around and find uh, geometrical terms and then they would put right angle and then they put an angle that measures 90 degrees and then they would take their picture in the real world of that of that um, definition a lot better way to make um, definition cards than just you know the old flip cards yeah. or whatever when you can do it like that so haiku deck has some good classroom uh, capabilities awesome nice anything else that we have for the good of the order tonight guys well covered. Jeff, what do you have going on this coming week on uh, Instructional Tech Talk? Uh, we got a interview coming up with you, actually, talking about the new TeacherCast. Um, we also will be talking about ways to use Skype in the classroom, which will be exciting and something that kind of feeds off what we talked a little bit about tonight. Um, additionally, we have a new challenge coming out tonight uh, for the week, and you'll be notified by that if you're on the weekly challenge uh, subscription list. But other than that, we'll just keep shoving out some great ed tech tools <laughs> and uh, hoping that some people enjoy reading about them. So uh, nothing too horribly awesome, but still awesome nonetheless. <laughs> and what are you kidding? Are you... <laughs> you have Jeff Bradbury. Well, that's, that's, that's a good point right there. That's a good point. And people can follow you on Twitter at? Uh, yes, at INST Tech. Nice. John, what's going on this week for you? Okay, well, so I do have, and you know what? We'll have an extra episode of Techlandia because I will have the Jeff Herb interview from Instructional Tech Talk. And wait, when I interviewed... Is that to that? Oh, wait. Or maybe it, maybe it should be more like this. <laughs> oh, but, uh, man. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. When we go through, I, um, when we interviewed Jeff, we did two... Com we, we were at the... Uh, we were in the little lounge there, but we did two completely different interviews where... Uh, we talked about we talked about some other things um, on his podcast, and then I basically just let him go ahead and um, talk about instructional tech talk and the website, and just kind of do almost an infomercial and talk about it because I wanted I wanted to extend the hand of friendship to instructional tech talk. Well, it was very and much appreciated. So thank yeah, you. as we're partners in podcast. Yep. But uh, I think that what we're going to do is we're just um, on my spring break. I'm going to get the Techlandia website up and running and that's what I'm going to do and cool. we'll see how it goes but I'll definitely put up Jeff's interview and maybe a little I'll have to put a little aside note just like I did with wait, Sam's wait. Uh, session. Wh whose interview? My. Jeff's interview? 
Wait, who? Jeff, Jeff Herb. Yeah, sound effect. Sorry. There we go. I'm late on the sound effects. But, uh, right, and then we have, um, so anyway, so then when Sam listens to his and sees my little notes afterwards, I actually have to say I did not talk badly about Sam at all. No, nope, I can I vouch for that. But that yeah, time I will come. That time will come soon, but not on the, we didn't come on that one on the Rogue Podcast. So <laughs> right. that's what we've got going. Good. Sam, what's going on this week with Patui? This week with Patui, we're doing some walkthrough work during Patui talk on using the live scribe pen for flipped instructions, some practical how-to nuts and bolts kind of stuff. And the chat's going to be with Mr. Macnology. Wait, wait. Mr. And uh, he's going to be guiding us through a discussion on going beyond digital citizenship to empowering our students. I'm going to see if I can get Zach from Student Voice on there, too. I'll give Zach a good one. I don't know who that is, though. <laughs> nice. And there's going to be some great stuff coming up this week on TeacherCast. I've got a ton of video from the New Jersey conference that I was just at. And uh, so I'm going to be popping that out on the Jersey Educator podcast under jerseyeducator.com. And uh, I've got a few podcasts that I know I've scheduled this week, but I can't fathom what they are at this point. So lots of good stuff coming up. You can certainly catch us at TeacherCast. Um, next week, boys, I think we're going to be talking a little bit about class websites yep. and uh, how to build them. Um, this is stemming from a presentation that I gave this weekend at the New Jersey Conversa uh, Conference, where one of my presentations was how to make a website using WordPress, and the other one was how to create a perfect digital classroom. So I was explaining how I make my classes up, and I use the iPad, and I'm using Google Docs, and I was sharing with people how to embed things and, and you know, maybe we'll get into that and maybe we'll do a nice little roundtable next week of how do you do a class website? What do you put into there? And uh, we'll see uh, if we can find some some things there. If you have any questions about the Tech Educator podcast, you can certainly leave us a voice message at techeducatorpodcast slash voicemail. You can email us at feedback at techeducatorpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Tech Ed Show. And of course, if you have a class website and you'd like to have it shown on our website or on our live stream next Sunday at 7, we'd love to hear from you. We're always looking for some great resources. And if you'd like to join us next week to talk about your website, um, certainly let us know. We can either pre-record a video or certainly bring you in to our conversation live as we go. We'll be back, of course, next week on Sunday nights at 7 o'clock Eastern at TeacherCast.tv. And subscribe to us also on iTunes by searching for the TeacherCast Podcasting Network. Until next time, keep up the great work in your classroom and continue sharing your passions with your students. 